0: Welcome to the Airgun Geeks podcast. All topics talked about on this podcast are solely of our opinion and for entertainment purposes. My name is Patrick. Hi, I'm Adam. And how geeky geeky do you you want want us to get?
1: get? Welcome to the Airgun Geeks podcast. This week we're going to do Pump, Pump, Pump It Up. A brief lesson, hopefully, on multi-pumps. So, Patrick, how have you been?
0: I've been good. It's been crazy. We're, you know, with this weather and whatnot and trying to shoot and learning
1: about multi pumps more in depth. Which speaking of that, did you see the Jock Elliott article on the 1377 Crossman multi pump?
0: I, I did. That that what what he did to a 1377 for field target. I'm telling you, if I saw a guy on the, on the line going, got it, I would be
1: like, let me see that. I know that stock was amazing. The whole fact that he actually had a Walther Walther barrel turned down for it. I'm just like, you've got to be kidding me. And it's still like, okay, maybe turned into a PCP. No, it's still a multi-pump.
0: Yep, that, That's definitely worth a read. Which we'll 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 put it in the description so you guys can read it yourself and see the different pictures that are also on it. It's a really good article.
1: Yeah, it's. I think the article is called "The Amazing 1377." There's another one out there called "The Most Expensive Airgun in History: The Crossman 1377." So there's two really good reads out there. Yeah, yeah. All right. And then, did you see the one called "Busting the Multi-Pump Myth" by Tom Gaylord?
0: I have. I I love Tom's articles.
1: They are they're they are very well done and definitely worth a read. So it's a it's kind of interesting because so our knowledge of multi pumps is, to be honest, extremely limited. Like Pat started off with a 2100. my experiences were with, with a three ninety seven, and these are years ago. We're dating ourselves by talking mm-hmm. about like woodstock three ninety sevens and twenty one hundreds before they were called a B for budget. So like To actually like do a deep dive and try to figure out this whole market was pretty wild. So the first thing I want to point out was, and I actually, I'll be honest, like I started thinking about multi-pumps before I started looking, going, okay, I'm going to pump this gun up 10 times really fast. And I'm going to shoot it really quick because I just heated up the air. It's going to be more excited. It's going to shoot faster. It'll be hotter, maybe more consistent. Now I have not shot a multi-pump recently. So I'm just putting, this is where my engineering mind goes. I'm going to pump up fast, maybe I'll pump up slow, and that'll change things. Which, when I finally, like, okay, so I went through, sat down, really thought, wrote down a list of, like, what do I expect to find? And I saw Tom Gaylord's, you know, busting the multi-pump myth. And that's, like, the first thing he talked about was fast pumping, slow pumping. And I'm like, oh, well, that's not a thing. Well, damn. Okay. Well, then, there's got to be something with the, the, the excited hot air. And that article covered, no, there's not. It's really, there's, okay. So then what is there with multi-pumps? Okay, so we've got, you know, basically a multi-pump is not a pumped up PCP. It is a separate entity. Okay. Because I've like went into it. Oh, the Aspen, the Freedom Nova, or the Nova Freedom, pardon me. Those are multi-pumps. That, those are, no, those are PCPs that have a onboard hand pump. Oh, okay. So... And then you just get into this mindset that they are a different beast entirely. It's not a high power or a low power PCP. It's a multi pump pneumatic, not a precharged pneumatic with an onboard pump. Okay. So then, what do you have? We've got what the, whoop, sorry, we have the twenty one hundred, the seven sixty, the Daisy eight eighty. Mm-hmm. The, se- the Winchester 77X, mm-hmm. a Crossman M4, and then what, the 1322 and the 1377? Mm-hmm. Then the 392 and the 397, which has been renamed to like the Benjamin Variable Synthetic Stock Pump. Did I miss any? I mean, I probably did. And if I did, please, someone let us know. Like, we're doing our best. And so now we have a $50 gun, and we find this article. Where a guy makes a custom fuel target stock, fuel target forend, turns a lothar Walther barrel, makes a stainless steel breech for it. Not just a steel breech, but a stainless steel breech for it, puts on a fuel target scope, and he's shooting it and doing well. <laughs> and so, you know, we've got the Crossman 1770, uh, 1377. Mm-hmm. And the reason I'm using that one is because I did find a whole bunch of things on it. But even, like, trying to find out how to modify it was really difficult. You're basically, you're looking at, you know, a steel breech, which you can get the XL. Mm-hmm. So that's um, that's an upgrade. So it was really hard to find some of these, like, modifications. Like Airgun Smith, you can get, you know, an oversized valve, different piston pin. Like The big thing I found was like head spacing. There's only, I guess, the head spacing, which in this case is the plenum, for lack of better. There's only a 5,000th gap in it? Unless unless I'm really reading that wrong. I found that there's a 5,000th gap, so then there's people that will go in there and make it like a 12,000th, so you do 12 pumps and you get a little bit more power, more consistency. It was just really interesting to read about this. So there's a lot of information about what modifications people have done but not so much on how to do them. So that's where the Jock Elliott article is really interesting because he gives you a list. It's a dozen different modifications where something is basic. Hey, steel breach, scope. Steel breach, stock. And then you've got guys that turn them into PCPs. Weird. So Yeah, yeah, that's definitely
0: interesting information.
1: So, yeah, and then oh. the bullpup, the one I liked was the bullpup with the side pumping lever. Like, how did you even manage that? It's So there's definitely a space out there. But the big thing I found is when you come to multi-pumps, when we say tune in a PCP aspect, we mean tuning the gun for the pellet or tuning the gun for the power we want. What I ended up finding for tuning of multi-pumps is not tuning for a pellet, it's tune up. It was just abbreviated. So it's going in there and cleaning up the plenum, or not the, uh, sorry, not the plenum, the piston valve. So there's burrs and edges where things meet, getting that cleaned up, replacing your pivot pin with a more robust pivot pin. That was the big thing, you know, sometimes cleaning up burrs in the transfer port because all the transfer port is, is literally where air goes from this air reservoir that you've pumped up in through the port and down sending the pellet down the barrel. And the other interesting thing was, is I actually didn't know how a multi-pump really worked. So when you do your stroke, you do this full length stroke and you open up this little air reservoir that as you're pumping out, or you're swinging your arm out, causes a vacuum that pulls air in. Then when you start pumping, it quickly closes this little hole, this air hole. Then it pushes when you're closing your handle, your, your pivot arm, actually will shove it into a little reservoir. And you're literally just putting compressed air into there by that virtue of a one-way valve. Which makes sense, but I didn't actually know it until I started looking it. So I do appreciate, I believe it was one of our um, group members, Dan, that actually requested this. So Dan, I do really appreciate you asking about this so we had the opportunity to look this information up. So thank you very much. Now, so Patrick, you're 21, like, you know, you said that you used to shoot a 2100 and pump it up 12 times. Mm-hmm. You do know it's only supposed to be like eight, right?
0: I know, but I was in the sixth grade. <laughs> so I thought, oh, more pumps, more power. Um, the one thing I did learn is keeping it lubed up because of that little one-way valve. Mm-hmm. And there's this little felt, eh, ring, we'll call it, that where you put the silicone oil at.
1: Okay. And now... Something else that was really interesting is so the idea of a tune up where we're cleaning the trigger, like there's burrs on it. You can still do that to a multi pump, to a brake barrel, to a PCP. You can clean those things up. The actual piston trans travel, getting those burrs out of there, cleaning that up, taking the gun apart, being willing to learn. I mean, the thirteen seventy seven is what? A seventy, eighty dollar gun? Right, maybe not right even, runner, yeah. Maybe not even that? I mean you find one used, can you make like Hey, if I screw it up while working on it, no, it's not nothing but I'm definitely be more okay you know with that than I would be like even an Avenger is still mm-hmm. an investment, so no, that was uh pretty interesting, so thank you. I liked um one of the articles I read referred to the thirteen seventy seven as the beetle <laughs> of air guns,
0: <laughs> yeah, small but hardy yeah. and
1: so many different aftermarket parts out there that you don't even know where to look.
0: yeah true very true very true i think Uh, we just
1: aged ourselves by the way
0: just just a little bit just a little bit but uh but still accurate little guns for for what they are you know and then like that one where they did used it for uh hunter field target like really And and it i don't know how well it did but i'm assuming it did pretty well and that's that's a lot of gunsmithing and well, going way over what the gun is worth, but creating a, it's a Frankenstein gun.
1: But there's nothing wrong with a Franken gun. I mean, you did that yeah. with the QB78. Correct. You turned a CO2 into an HPA. Yeah. Which, I mean, people have done that with the 1377. That's flooring. Mm-hmm. You watch that little, like, wait, there's a, that's a 1377 and there's a HPA gauge on the side of it. Read into the article, wait, you're telling me that they turned it into a PCP? What? So, so the next the next step we need to go
0: down, since we're talking about multi pumps and what people have done to them, would be the CO two guns like the twenty two forty. That's that's a whole other podcast in itself. I want people to have done to that little thing, and they're just running CO two. I don't know of anyone that's converted that to HPA yet. So if you have, email us because we're very curious about that one. Please. Yeah. So, so, what, so like, like, since we're talking multi pumps, what's like the range on these things? What have you found?
1: So, well, if we're going to talk about like stock, stock, yeah. I mean, you're looking at basically even on some of these other, even on the high end ones, you're looking at like a 700, 800 feet per second max. Obviously, we don't know what pellets we, we have that issue. But you figure even an eight grain pellet at 700 feet per second. For Due to stabilization I'd say fifteen twenty yards twenty five yards tops, but obviously with these modifications like hey there's a like I know we keep going back to this field target because it's a good standard you know you've got fifty five yard maximum, and someone turned this forty dollar fifty sixty eighty whatever dollar gun sub well sub hundred dollar gun into a rifle that you could use for field target, a pistol you can use for field target mm-hmm. so it's pretty uh, interesting, so I do apologize if we keep going back to that. And so, I would say, like, out of the box, realistically, 15, 20 yards. But clearly, there's people with very little work or additional investment doing much better than that with a very inexpensive gun. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, it comes down to, no, are you going to turn it into a high power PCP? No. But realize that's not what you're trying to accomplish. You're trying to take a gun learn from it and apply those what apply what you learn put it into practice to make it a little more accurate a little bit more consistent Mm -hmm. give a better trigger Mm -hmm. i'm a trigger snub well it's like we say how geeky
0: do you want to get with it you know so interesting interesting so so like adam said we'll uh we'll have these articles in the description so that you can research them yourselves um but we've also talked about doing something a little different from now on and talking about our little current projects. So I guess we can call it the Project Corner with Airgun Geek Adam. That would be today's podcast uh, uh, about what are you working on?
1: So I think a few weeks ago people may have heard that I had FX'd my FX rifle to the point where I was so frustrated I was actually ready to throw it out the window. So I've been working on that extensively over the last month. And when I say extensively, I mean constant. So I'd taken a gun that was probably a 2-inch 30 cal at 100 yards and turned it into maybe a 4-inch at 50-yard gun. Like, I was furious. That's not good, Adam. That's the wrong way. Are you sure? I don't know. I mean, it, it seemed to be the way the gun was going, and so after taking just a week off where I didn't look at the thing because honestly, I was I was ready to like either sell it or throw it in the trash. Like, I mean, it's not that I can throw away a gun like that, but it's just that's the kind of frustration I was feeling. Took a step back, reviewed what I had done. Um, actually ended up picking up a Mark II, which would have a slightly larger plenum in it put the barrel I had extensively modified liner shroud system, put it under that, did a few more tweaks. And now, well, last night I showed Patrick, my group, I shot at 148 yards, maybe a half inch vertical to sub two inch horizontal spread at 148 yards with a 30 cal pellet gun, which Patrick's like, Oh, well, what's that mean? That means in my horizontal spread at a 90 degree wind it would take a little less than one mile per hour variation in wind energy to push the pellet off by that much so that's me reading the wind and just natural wind variation can do that so i was extremely happy to the point where okay i'm done i've done things in my gun that now have voided the warranty so yes Anybody listening to this knows that yes, I have voided the warranty on my Mark II. Sorry, I think I can put it back.
0: <laughs> but with that being said, that's 144 yards with a 30 cal. Pellet. 148 yards.
1: 148. Yards. 148 yards with a 50 grain 30 cal pellet at 91 foot pound. 91.2 foot pounds of energy.
0: That's that's just crazy.
1: Well, it's it's accurate, which is what I care about. So, yeah. I mean, it's, it was a frustration point. So like the things I had done, so the thing I must've done, um, I don't know where I went wrong initially mm-hmm. to ruin it because I came back. So, so you guys know what I have done to my Mark two at this point. So we've got the 30, I have a pellet liner, 700 millimeter pellet liner on my Mark two. I put a <laughs> carbon fiber sleeve on it that I had a JB weld onto it so it would stay, which is not recommended for the crowns. Like, it's Mm -hmm. it it comes out, hey, this is meant for impacts with the STX light liner system, I believe, or it's the STX system. But it was the right ID. I'm like, you know what? I'm tired of fighting with the stiffness issue, so I wanted to go this route. So I did that. I put in a dual transfer port, which had its own... (laughs) I don't want to blame the transfer port. That's probably something I did wrong in installing it because it's a very clean transfer port. When I purchased it, once I installed it, there was a burr. So I don't know if I just didn't clean the threads right or what. So I polished the inside of the transfer port again and took care of that, put the liner on it, and my groups were, well, as Pat saw, they were they were garbage. Mm-hmm. They, they was infuriating. <laughs> That's putting it mildly. So get the Mark II. I've got the new breech block, the same transfer port. And actually what I did was is I used the carbon fiber liner as basically like a reverse tensioner. So instead of putting tension on the front of the shroud towards it, I'm actually using the um, basically grub screw. Or not grub screw. Um,
0: With a torsion nut.
1: Yeah, thank you. The torsion nut. It's from the Remington 700 and the Savage style of barrel centering. And I'm using that to put reverse tension on the carbon fiber shroud, which is JV welded to the liner. Now, there's like I have thoughts where heat differences, temperature differences, they're going to expand differently, they're going to react differently. I know this is an engineering standpoint. I don't know how it's going to affect it yet. Because you have different rates of expansion and contraction with different temperatures of the two different materials. Plus now we have got a bonding agent between them. It's going to be crazy. So I'll deal with that later. So I'm taking good notes at this point. And... So I did that, put the Mark II, that's unmodified action. I get this liner and barrel system on it, and I'm at the exact same freaking foot-pounds of energy as my stock, My sorry, my modified Mark One. Infuriated, <laughs> to say the least. Take it up to 155 bar in my regulator, still fighting it, still at 88.5 foot-pounds of energy. And I'm still having... Garbage accuracy. So I go down into my toolbox and I find the appropriate ID fender washer that'll fit over the um, guide rod for the hammer spring. Obviously, fender washer is much larger than what that opening is, so I turn down the fender washer to fit. I have added a, I've got the ham, preload hammer weight maxed out. I've added a 63,000 thick washer to my spacer basically. Which now is giving me 91.2 foot pounds of energy. I have used the torsion nut as basically a reverse tensioner, and the gun is shooting great to the point where I'm kind of afraid to take anything apart on it because who knows <laughs> if it'll do anything. So, like, I don't even want to take the moderator off of it, but it shoots as you know, Pat saw in the groups that I showed him. That's what I've done. So, I finally am currently happy with my Crown Mark II with my, th- my Mark 130 cal barrel and liner set and transfer my modified transfer port. That's what I've been at. So Now, Patrick, you're going to be picking up a new project here shortly.
0: Uh, yeah, I've actually picked the project up already and bought a Air Arms S510 XS Extra Walnut Stock Ultimate Sporter in 177 because now I'm
1: addicted to HFT. And so we'll have to cover next week and what all you've done to that or do to that. Correct. All right. Correct. That will be
0: Pat's Airgun Geek Corner (laughs) session on what his project is. So.
1: And then at some point, we're going to have to have a really good session on what you did to that poor old, now that I own, QB78. Yes. Yes. That'll be the project corner from the past.
0: There you go. There you go. We'll go retro on that one. All right. All right, well, with that being said, we want to thank everyone for, again, listening in to Airgun Geeks podcast. And, uh, like always, stay geeky. Thank you again for taking some time out of your day to listen to the Airgun Geeks podcast. If you have any topics you would like to hear on our podcast, feel free to email us at airgungeeks at gmail.com. You can also join our Facebook group, also titled Airgun Geeks, and we are also going to have a YouTube channel titled Airgun Geeks, and possibly in the future, there might be some videos on there. If you like what you've heard and would like to help support Airgun Geeks, please check out our Patreon page, or you can also just donate to our PayPal links. Just go to the links that we have in the description to help us out. Last but not least... If you like what you heard, give us five stars. We, we would really appreciate that. Till we meet again, shoot straight and stay geeky.